Hello, my Rebels. Today, I take you through the terrible case of Tamara Litch. She was the young woman who was the organizer and crowd funder of the trucker convoy, and she was arrested 18 days ago on charges of inciting mischief, which has to be the lowest, the most modest offense in the whole criminal code. I've never heard of anyone being jailed for that. But alas, she just spent 18 days in jail. And I'll explain to you why the judges did that to her and the absurd conditions they put on her when they released her last night. It's a terrible tale. That's ahead. But before we get there, let me invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. It's a video version of this podcast. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com, click subscribe, eight bucks a month. Not only do you get the video side of this broadcast, there's four other weekly shows. And the satisfaction that you're keeping Rebel News strong. We don't take any money from the government. We rely on you. So please consider subscribing at, subscribing at rebelnewsplus.com. All right, here's today's show. Tonight, Tamara Litch, the peaceful trucker organizer, is finally released from jail after 18 days. What a disgrace. It's March 8th, and this is The Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. Last month, Tamara Litch was arrested on the streets of Ottawa, handcuffed like she was some violent criminal, packed into a police vehicle and taken to jail for inciting mischief. I'm seriously, I'm serious. I mean, according to prosecutors, she had told truckers to hold the line. And that meant keep protesting. And that, apparently, is illegal in both Vladimir Putin's Russia and Justin Trudeau's Canada. I have never in my life heard of someone charged with inciting mischief, as in she herself didn't even commit mischief, she just encouraged others, one degree of separation, and such a person being held in jail pending trial. I think mischief is the absolute lowest criminal code offense there is. It's sort of a catch-all for things police don't like, like like vandalism or jaywalking. That's the level of it. It's, it's not assault. It's not trespass. It's not theft. It's nothing violent, of course, just mischief. Up to no good. You're up those kids. Up to no good. Inciting mischief is one degree lighter. And Trudeau's judge denied her bail in the first instance. Accused murderers get bail in Canada. Accused terrorists but not accused opponents of Trudeau. Here's Trudeau praising that first judge, Judge Bourgeois, when she ran as a liberal candidate a few elections back. It's an extraordinary pleasure for me to tell you how much I have uh, great admiration for Julie Bourgeois. Uh, her vision, her authenticity, uh, her strength uh, is going to be an amazing asset, both to the people of Glengarry Prescott Russell, but also to everyone in the House of Commons after the next elections when I ha will have, hopefully, the honor of uh, sitting beside her in the House. Thank you very much. Yeah, in the United Kingdom, having a Trudeau liberal judge a critic of Trudeau and jail her, that would be called a stitch-up. 
a stitch-up. Well, Tamara Litch appealed her outrageous imprisonment, and another judge heard the appeal last Wednesday. The judge heard the back and forth for almost a full day, but then he said he would need a few more days before he could get around to issuing a ruling. So the trial, the hearing was over in one day. But the judge said, I'm not even kidding, the judge said he was busy. That's the word he used. I swear, I swear he said he's busy. So Tamara Litch had to sit in prison for five more days because the judge was just so busy. Well, yesterday, the judge finally got over his busy weekend and uh, released Tamara Litch 18 days behind bars. Yeah, we do have political prisoners in Canada, if you doubt me. Ask where Arthur Pavlovsky is today. That's what you are. What are you doing to the clergymen in this country? Who are you aiding? Who are you aiding, man? You criminal! You criminal! What are you doing? Record this, man. Record this. Look at what look what they're doing to a clergyman. Okay, look what they're doing to a priest. I do not cooperate with Nazis. You're a this is a priest, you understand that? You criminals. You criminals. Tamara Lich was thrown uh, in prison because she was a thorn in the side of Justin Trudeau. So she had to be punished, obviously. Arthur Pavlovsky, the pastor, is a thorn in the side of Jason Kenney in Alberta. So obviously he has to be punished. You'll notice that no politicians from any party, liberal, conservative, NDP, have spoken out against imprisoning people for political reasons. Where are all the Christian conservatives in Canada standing up for Arthur Pavlovsky? Not one of them will speak for him, and not one would speak out against the outrageous jailing of a peaceful protester to Mary Lynch. Just not a single one of them? Even if you disagree with these people and what they stand for, you're not perturbed by jailing peaceful political opponents of the regime? You know, a few politicians did care. In the United States, why would Ohio legislators care more about the jailing of a Christian pastor in Canada than Canadian legislators. The jailing of Tamara Litch was a global disgrace. It was global news, not just here in Canada. Here is the crowd of protesters in London, UK, out to meet Justin Trudeau and to demand Tamara Litch's freedom. This was yesterday. Take a look. The world saw the madness. Canada's establishment doesn't care, though. What a laugh. Trudeau crushed our civil liberties like a bowl of eggs. But he'll give some lectures to Vladimir Putin, I guess. And we've come to a moment that, quite frankly, we've seen coming over the past years. And we've talked about it in, in, in the news, not just about Ukraine, but about democracies around the world, that we see a bit of a slippage in our democracies. 
countries turning towards slightly more authoritarian leaders. Countries allowing increasing misinformation and disinformation to be shared on social media, turning people against the values and the principles of democracies that are so strong. And that slippage over the years, unfortunately emboldened Putin and made him think that he could get away with this, that he could get away with it in Ukraine. Here's Canada's foreign affairs Twitter account. Always good for a laugh. Canada is concerned about the recent moves to restrict media freedom and prevent access to media in Russia. The right to freedom of opinion and expression is a cornerstone of safe and prosperous societies. Got it. Got it. Now, both Trudeau and Putin are introducing new laws or policies to ban disinformation and crack down on fake news, which is simply what they each call their opponents these days. My question is, who's copying whom? Speaking of thugs, here's Trudeau's public safety minister, Marco Mendicino, who repeatedly lied about the truckers. He, he called them rapists, if you recall. He called them violent. He called them Nazis. But look at him here. Here's a tweet by Bob Mackin. The Trudeau liberal public safety minister came all the way to Surrey for a photo op with Doug McCallum a day before the mayor's next public, public mischief court date. Got it. So the mayor of Surrey was awaiting trial on mischief charges, too. Mischief. Hmm. Is that a fact? Something about claiming someone drove over someone's foot. I don't know all the details, and they're not important. Police say it's a crime, five-day trial, whatever. But he got bail, no problem. Of course, it's just mischief. There's some sort of physical altercation. In fact, the public safety minister is happy to sit with him, an accused criminal. It's just mischief. But Tamara Litch jailed for 18 days. So she's free now. Yeah, it's true. With a $5,000 bond from herself, a $20,000 bond from a family member. That means if she fails her conditions, that money's paid to the government. She had to leave Ottawa within 24 hours. Apparently, she's, she's banned from the city, exiled from the city. Is, is that a thing? You can exile someone? Oh, and she has to leave Ontario, the whole province, in 72 hours. Is, is that a thing? Can you just say, poof, you are not allowed to travel anywhere in Ontario? Wow. For mischief. That's insane. What if I told you that a critic of Vladimir Putin was banned from Moscow or that a critic of Joe Biden was banned from Washington, D.C. and the states adjacent to it? A peaceful political critic. I mean, you would say that's tyrannical. Tamara Lich has to report to police. She has to reside where directed. She can't talk to other truckers who are peaceful protesters as well, the ones who have been charged. She's just not allowed to talk to them. Just, just stop talking to them. How, what's that got to do with that? I guess that's, that's a crime now, too, or something. And get this, no social media. That, that's how she would talk to all the truckers. She would make little Facebook posts. Just, just ban. What's that got to do with the crime? And a ban against protesting Trudeau's COVID policies. Very, very specific. She's allowed to criticize tax policy, 
She's allowed to criticize Ukraine-Russia policy. She's banned from talking about Trudeau's COVID policy. So I guess this wasn't really about a crime at all, was it? It was a political crime, which in Canada is not a real crime. She really was a political prisoner. And if she dares to oppose Trudeau on COVID, she will literally be thrown in jail for that. It reminds me of that fool judge in Alberta, Adam Germain, the one who originally ordered Arthur Pavlovsky that if he was ever to criticize lockdowns, he had to immediately read out a little card written by the judge, a little self-renunciation authored by that particular judge. So if Arthur Pavlovsky in a sermon or on Facebook or in a media interview, if he said his own beliefs, he had to immediately recant them. This Ontario judge has gone further. At least Arthur Pavlovsky could say his piece before he had to renounce himself. But this Ontario judge is just plain old banned to Merrill Litch from saying anything critical of Trudeau's COVID policies at all, just because she can't even say it. Does, does Vladimir Putin do that too? Or does he hand that off to judges like Trudeau does? And do you think this was raised by the official opposition in Ottawa, by, by the Conservative Party? Really by anyone? By the Canadian Civil Liberties Association or other left-wing groups? No, my friends. Every day, the establishment, the ruling class, sees how far they can push. And every day, the answer is still further. No one has stopped them, so they keep going. They, they go further. Nothing has stopped them yet. The truckers slowed them down a bit. Oh, they didn't like that. But nothing has stopped them yet. And they won't stop. Why would they? Stay with us for more. Russia, as part of their sophisticated uh, information and disinformation operations, engages actively with so-called non-governmental organizations environmental organizations working against shale gas, obviously, to uh, maintain European dependence uh, on imported Russian gas. That's my interpretation. That's a clip from Anders Fogh Rasmussen, who used to be the head of NATO. You heard the man. He said that Russia was taking money to convince, to fund anti-fracking, anti-drilling groups in Europe to remove the possibility for Europe to be self-sufficient for natural gas. There's a lot of natural gas in the shale across Poland, across France, even in Germany. But for, I don't know, $50 million to environmental groups, that stopped $50 billion in oil and gas development, making it so they had to buy from Gazprom and other Russian energy companies. Well, finally, the chickens have come home to roost. Europe simply cannot quit that Russian oil and gas. America says it will turn off the taps to Russia, but incredibly, instead of opening up the Keystone XL pipeline or more drilling in America, just shocking to me, Joe Biden said he's gonna ask the conflict oil countries in the world, including Saudi Arabia and Venezuela, possibly even Iran, to produce more oil. Joining us now to talk about this extreme situation 
is our friend Mark Morano, the boss of ClimateDepot.com. Mark, great to see you again. I think it's incredible that Joe Biden literally is choosing foreign conflict oil over American and Canadian ethical oil. I never saw, thought I'd see the day, but we're seeing it. We are, Ezra, and of course, you forged the way on this. We were just talking you know, almost a decade ago when we were talking about this, and you were pushing that concept of the ethical oil. And what the Biden administration is doing right now, by shutting out Canadian oil, by shutting out U.S. domestic oil, all it's done is empower Russia's Putin, Iran, OPEC, Venezuela, and of course, the green energy mandates have empowered China, which the U.S. is buying about 90% of our solar panels there, all the rare earth mining, the cobalt in Africa using underage, the slave labor in China. It is an incredible situation. It's literally turned logic, scientific evidence, and energy reality on its head, but they're not giving up. They're, pu they're putting sanctions on Russia, but they refuse to lift the sanctions on U.S. and Canadian uh, domestic energy. Well, that's a great point. I mean, Biden literally canceled the Keystone XL pipeline, but he did approve the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. I mean, yes. uh, whether or not it continues uh, to be built, I don't know, but Nord Stream 1, um, like Germany cannot cut off Russia. Poland cannot. They're talking about giving military aid to Ukraine, but they're still financing Russia every day by buying Russian oil. The only true sanctions put on any oil company are Biden putting them on Canadian American producers. Here's, you know what caught my attention, Mark? When Elon Musk made this tweet last week, Elon Musk, yes. the boss of Tesla, everybody knows he's a big green energy guy, but he said that he supports oil and gas uh, and, and that that's what America needs now. And maybe one day, you know, it'll be a green energy economy, but it's not there now. I was surprised by what Elon Musk said. What do you think? Well, I honestly believe, if you know the film The Matrix, that Elon Musk has been red-pilled. This is not the same Elon Musk from two or three years ago. He started with against the lockdowns. Then he was against the vaccine mandates. He started, he's been speaking out about anti-COVID stuff for a long time, upsetting the liberals, the Biden administration, all the, you know, all the, the lockdown left, if you will. So now he's coming out with some serious energy reality on Keystone and oil and domestic thing. It's an amazing thing. I just think that his his worldview has shifted. He's been red pilled. There's no other explanation for that. Elon Musk is a very important elite person, if you will, one of the wealthiest men in the world. He may be the wealthiest. I can't keep track of that. But this is a man who is speaking his mind and speaking it freely and they can't cancel him. And that's yeah. the problem here. But he gets it. Yeah, well, I mean, even more remarkable is that Tesla is based on a post-fossil fuel future. So for him to yeah. come out for oil and gas, I think that um, his powerful position is part of it. But that it's <clears throat> against his own self-interest, I think, is even more powerful. You know, some journalists have tried to ask the Biden administration, why don't you just turn on the taps in America and Canada? Like, seriously, running to... Nicolas Maduro in Venezuela yeah. or or looking to do a deal with Iran, which is the craziest. Here's how um, a, a question yeah. and answer went. 
in the White House briefing just the other day. Take a look at this. Con let me finish. To the con let me finish. An executive order. His Peter, first week halted new oil and le gas. Let me let me give you let me give you the facts here, and I know that can be inconvenient, but I think they're important in this moment. To the contrary, we have uh, the we have been clear that in the short term, supply must keep up with the demand. Where we are, and here and around the world, will we make the shift to a secure, clear, clean energy future? We are one of the largest producers with a strong domestic oil and gas industry. We have actually produced more oil. It is at record numbers, and we will continue to produce more oil. There are 9,000 approved drilling permits that are not being used. So the suggestion that we are not allowing companies to drill is inaccurate. The suggestion that that is what is hindering or preventing gas prices to come down is inaccurate. Would President Biden rescind his executive order that halts new oil and natural gas leases on public lands? Well, 90 percent of them happen on private lands, as I'm sure you know, and there are 9,000 unused approved drilling permits. So I would suggest you ask the oil companies why they're not using those if there's a desire to drill more. Would President Biden ever undo his executive order that stopped the construction of the Keystone XL pipeline? Are you suggesting that would solve the gas prices issue? Well, do you think that that would maybe affect prices faster than getting the whole country off of fossil fuels? I actually don't think it would. Uh, the Keystone uh, was not an oil field. It's a pipeline. Yeah. Also, the oil is continuing to flow in just through other means. So it actually would have nothing to do with the current supply imbalance. So gas prices are approaching an all-time high per gallon. How high would they have to get before President Biden would say, I'm going to set aside my ambitious climate goals and just increase domestic oil production, get the producers to drill more here, and we can address the fossil fuel future later? Well, again, Peter, the U.S. produced more oil this past year than in President Trump's first year. Next year, according to the Department of Energy, we will produce more oil than ever, than ever before. Those are, those are the facts. I find it remarkable that they want Saudi oil, they want Venezuelan oil, they, they even might want Iranian oil, but they do not want American oil. I think that really the worst sanctions are on America, not on Russia. They are. And Jen Psaki is literally trying to say it's the oil companies that won't drill. We have 9000 leases and they're not drilling. Well, first of all, you have to get a permit to drill. Second of all, there's about four, almost half of that number waiting for pending approval from the federal government. Besides that, what the, Obama, what the Biden administration, not Obama, has done is literally gone to every length possible with the Treasury Department to defund fossil fuel energy extraction. So even if they got a permit, first of all, they have to decide if, that, if these sites are worthy of the investment. And the investments are incredibly expensive, given that through environment, social governance style uh, ideology, they're being defunded. Banks who lend to fossil fuel companies have higher interest rates. They're, poor, they're faring uh, very poorly on the social credit system. And what's ended up happening is they are being defunded. This is a key point. And this whole, they keep doing this sleight of hand about the permits, uh, about the leases versus permits. And it's, it, it doesn't mean a thing because these companies are not allowed uh, are not able to drill, and it would take years, by the way, with this federal permitting process to ramp up. And then, of course, you, you, we talked about Keystone. Well, 
Keystone would be more oil daily. I think 850,000 gallons versus the 600 uh, barrels versus the, the 600,000 barrels we get from Russia. And Keystone would be a few years away. But the biggest thing what the Biden administration has done since day one is tell the energy future markets that America is closing for business. Whether it's Keystone, whether it's federal lands, whether it's fracking death of a thousand cuts, whether it's defunding the, uh, uh, the uh, bank, uh, fossil fuel industry, whether it's going after offshore drilling, whatever it is, this is a futures market that looked one, five, 10 years ahead. When you send those signals to energy markets like the, 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 the gas market, you are just going to hike prices. That's why his announcement today on Russian oil will further announce it. So what I was arguing, uh, Ezra, was no Russian sanctions lifted until domestic energy sanctions are lifted in America. That should be a condition for the Republican Party. I don't think it will be. They should get immediate and concrete concessions out of the Biden administration that they are going to lift what they did in the first week of office that has had a lasting impact on domestic energy. Yeah. You know, when Biden talks about releasing petroleum from the strategic yeah. petroleum reserve, it sounds a lot when you say 20 million, 30 million barrels. But yeah. America burns, I don't know, 18 million barrels a day going from memory. So, sure, you can release 30 million barrels and that'll be sopped up in 36 hours. I mean, it just it, it just doesn't make any sense. Uh, I, the Keystone XL pipeline was so close to being finished. I mean, you say it would be a, a year or two to get it done. That's probably the case because everything has been so shut down. I mean, the company has abandoned the project. Yeah. Just to ramp it back up would take two years. But it was well underway. Um, I mean, if you can still find online some of the gorgeous videos of the part being built across the border like that, that pipeline was close. And, and it's, it's just so incredible how all the ideas of ethical oil are just as valid now as they were a decade ago. Mark, it's great to see. I hope you keep up the fight down there. And I think you've put a new idea in my mind that the worst sanctions right now are not being put on Russia. In fact, they're not really sanctioning important oil sanctions on Russia because Europe can't do that. Frankly, Europe ought to be careful Russia doesn't sanction them by not selling oil to them. Like it, it, China could just buy all that oil and, and God forbid, Russia would sanction uh, Europe and Europe would be plunged into energy poverty overnight. Yeah. Like if you took all that Russian oil and gas out of Europe, I really don't know what would happen there if it happened immediately. You could, they could topple Western Europe to the point where Russia could be the second largest economy next to Germany. How bad it got was UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson in 2019, in order to virtue signal for the net zero Green New Deal style agenda in Europe, literally got two big fracking wells in UK and they poured concrete in them. This would have supplied 50 years of natural gas to, to England. This is the kind of madness that's occurred. And on top of that, there's word today that uh, uh, this is according to Bloomberg News, Obama's uh, former Treasury official Mark Mazur has now said the quiet part out loud. The climate actors, he goes, quote, we don't want lower prices for fossil fuel buyers. We prefer higher prices to achieve climate change goals. Direct quote. Yeah. So this is by design. So they don't care about ethical energy. They care about destroying the old order in order to force some green solar wind utopia. Uh, a great reset of energy. And, and that's why they're all excited about it. They think we can double down now and go all green and somehow we're all going to just be able to shift over to renewable energy, which is less than 4% solar and wind, less than 4% uh, 
of U.S. energy production is going to magically take over. I don't know how. Yeah. Well, I mean, I noticed Trudeau is, hasn't said a word about opening up the Keystone XL pipeline. He doesn't want it either. He believes in high energy prices. He, uh, yeah. you know, we had a liberal leader who called that the green shift. It makes life so expensive. It forces you to change how you live. Mike Morano, ClimateDepot.com. Great to see you again, my friend. Thank you. Stay with us. More ahead. Welcome back. Your letters. John B. says, no problem, Ezra. You have a cast iron case in law. He cannot legally block any citizen from reading or accessing an official departmental platform. He can mute your comments, but cannot deny your access. Well, I appreciate your uh, concurrence. That's my thinking. That's what our lawyers think. And we filed a lawsuit. Um, I mean, I don't want I'm not interested in following his personal family accounts. I'm not I'm not expecting him to talk to me or be friends with me. Uh, in, in fact, I, I really don't care about him as a personal, private citizen. Catherine McKenna had banned Sheila Gunn-Reed from Twitter, too. But now that she's left politics in disgrace, we're really not interested in her Twitter account anymore. It's, it's her own. Why would we care? But if a government office with government staff is putting out government message on, on a government Twitter account, uh, I just think it's, it's a scary precedent to say, ban my enemies from receiving government services. Now, it's not the same as like welfare or a pension, but it's a government service nonetheless. And if you can ban your enemies from this service, why not from that one? Belmont family says, the left has no shame. Canada has turned into an international laughingstock where pastors are thrown in jail and the banks can seize your accounts if you don't agree with the government. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, the people groan. Proverbs 29. You know, we, we will never know <clears throat> the extent of the damage done to our national reputation, and in particular, the reputation of banks. You know, if you look at banking architecture, older banks look really majestic, big pillars. And part of the reason for that is they wanted to look solid and stable and reliable. Um, like they would never be blown away by any political gust of wind. Um, now, of course, banks are trying to look as friendly as possible because I think people know that banks are safe because of deposit insurance and because in our lifetimes, really, I mean, uh, no major bank has failed in Canada. There was a, a minor bank in Alberta that did, I recall, um, the principal group. My point is the fact that banks look friendly instead of strong and stable spoke to the trust that people had in their banks. How much of that trust has been eroded? Did people withdraw money from the banks? Did they put them somewhere else? Did they take them out of the country? Maybe people don't care. But do you trust your bank more or less now? I trust mine less. Perseus09 says, I'm deeply confused about an obvious issue. In order for a person to join any of the following organizations, you first need a clean criminal record, army, police, government, jobs. This clown is a convicted criminal, yet he's being appointed to a high-level government agency as it's had. How is that possible? Clearly, government rules were ignored in order to employ this criminal for a government job. It makes you wonder how many other convicted criminals are running the nation that we are not aware of. 
You're referring to Stephen Gilbo, who was convicted of a crime and is in the cabinet. Uh, I know, at least it was in the past, that the RCMP would review cabinet appointments because, of course, you're, if you're part of the cabinet, you hear national secrets, including military secrets, diplomatic secrets, commercial secrets. So I'd be very curious to know what the RCMP said about Stephen Gilbo, a convicted criminal. That's our show for the day. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rubber World Headquarters, to you at home, good night. And keep fighting for freedom. And let me leave you with a video from our reporter, Sid, at the Calgary United for Freedom rally that was diverted by a counter-protest. I'll leave you with that. Good night. Sydney Fizard for Rebel News, and we're here in Calgary, Alberta, where there is a freedom protest taking place behind me, an event that's been going on for over two years now across the country. They began at the start of the pandemic and continue on to this day. And even though many mandates in Alberta have been lifted as of late, there are still plenty of mandates and other restrictions impeding on the daily lives of everyday Canadians. Uh, and especially this can be noted in the life of Archer Pulowski. He remains behind bars to this day as the only man ever charged under the critical Infrastructure Defense Act for the crime of giving a sermon to truckers in coots who were blocking the border in opposition to COVID restrictions. He was charged like a pipeline bomber. Some would argue he's being held as a political prisoner. And not only that, but even though mandates have been lifted, it doesn't take away the damage that's been done to these Canadians for the past two years. So they're out here strong, fighting still to end what restrictions and measurements still lie in place in hopes of bringing life back to normal. Are we happy with most? Are we guys okay with mostly free? I don't think so. So, we are going to keep at this until it is all done, guys. We can't leave them so much as an inch right now. Look at British Columbia. They still have all their mandates. You drive three hours west, you're back in COVID country. Two years now into the pandemic, and a lot of people would see uh, that there's mandates being lifted, some restrictions being lifted. But of course, uh, if you ask anybody here, it seems like there is much more to be done. And what is that more to be done? The biggest thing, Sydney, I think is for everybody to kind of get on the same page. We've got Saskatchewan doing stuff. We've got BC going the opposite way. We've got Alberta lifting uh, all the restrictions and mandates. It may be a political ploy, we're not sure. One thing we're sure of is we're not getting a concerted answer, a unified answer for across Canada as to where we should be at right now. And I think the overwhelming evidence, it, somebody needs to take a look at that and stuff. And, but our leadership from the top down, we don't have a leadership. We don't have opposition. Therefore, we, it's like everybody's oriented in a different direction and we're not getting, in, we're not getting anywhere, really. And we're, we're, economically, we're going down too. I think the all stuff supposed to be go back, so back to the normal. Don't call the new normal to this normal trends now. I know most is done, but not everything is done. So we have to still lots of to do before everything's supposed to be dropped. And this is my goal. There is a lot of federal mandates that have not been dropped. We can't just say, oh, we're here in Alberta, great. We can go to a restaurant now. I still can't travel out of this country. You know, uh, it, there's still so much going on. We can't give up. We've got to keep the fight going. And Rebel News helps with that, by the way. We have no opposition and we have no leadership. So I'm praying and hoping that, uh, that freedom-minded Canadians that were along the highway all along Canada in minus 20 for that truck convoy all the way to Ottawa. There was people out in the middle of nowhere in their farms. I hope all of us people here, all of us people get together and we come up with a unified, uh, like a Canada first policy.
Let's look at some common sense. Let's look at uh, all the issues that we need to look at, budget, immigration, uh, freedom, uh, possibly a look at the Charter of Rights. Brian Peckford has got a uh, case in the court right now with Maxine Bernier. I think that's going to go a long ways to laying some groundwork for our freedom going forward. Well, the next step, hopefully, I mean, Kenny's up for a review. That's just provincial. Um, we got a long way to go before election. If I may say so, I would like to plug and hopefully get Tamara and a few of the other people, Art, out of jail. That is very unfair. It is unrealistic. It's just unacceptable here in Canada. We can't stop and let our guard down and just not be a part of that movement. Send letters, write to our MLAs, do what we can do to get this dropped all across coast to coast, not just provincially. Our our prime minister needs to stand up and say, no, we're not going to accept this, you know. We should not be discriminated or forced to lose a job or not allowed to work at a certain place because we don't have a vaccine or etc. And the federal government needs to stand up that. I mean, how many, it was not that long ago, they legalized marijuana. You were shunned for smoking marijuana. Now all of a sudden it's acceptable and it's legalized. Well, why is it acceptable to discriminate against people who are not vaccinated? How is that acceptable here in Canada? A medical choice. Why should I be forced to inject something into my body because someone else says so? And we're already into this long enough to know that they don't work anyway. And I mean, I don't want to go down that rabbit trail, but I mean, the data is out there. This is unacceptable in children and schools. And, you know, it's way more than just masks that it started out with. Last protest, I heard you advocating for Pastor Arthur Pulowski. Uh, in his current situation, he's still Calm behind down, bars. What do you please. make of that, and why do you think they're keeping him in that situation? Well, he's very outspoken. I mean, the number one thing he's done is he's he's uh, he's from. If everyone kind of pretty well knows that watches this, knows who he is. I mean, he's from Poland, and they went through this. He's you know behind a lot of this. You know, the different organizations, not so much behind him, but he talks truth and he gives us a spiritual message. And they don't want that out there. And, you know, basically, we know he's a political prisoner for the Alberta government. And, you know what, when we're talking about that, we they have no real reason to hold him. They're holding him, you know, and, and I guess everyone knows this. I'm not sure of the exact charges because there's many different charges, you know, about uh, creating public mischief over five thousand dollars or just mischief well number one he didn't organize that rally he was there as a pastor a man from god to give them hope the people that came there so you know by doing that he was in a place and 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 you know they can just make up lies and that's what they do now they're holding him there he was supposed to get his bail hearing on the 11th and now we found out a couple nights ago he's not going to get it on the 11th he's just on the docket which means they can hold him there till whenever the judge decides they want to hear the case they're also keeping uh the evidence from his two attorneys you know to stall it even more so you know what he's he's holding strong uh he talked to us today in church via a, a telephone call it was amazing he has strength and we support him and we are not going to back down. We are going to be there every night for him. We're going to be there at four o'clock tonight and we're there seven o'clock every night. Come join us, Voice of Freedom. We're reaching many other inmates. They're really, they're starting to realize who God is and, and how corrupt the system really is. So really that's what we're doing. We're going to keep holding the line for freedom and we're going to support our pastor because he is a man of God.
David was arrested yesterday too. Like he, it was a hit job. Like he spoke at our church today and he said it was a hit job. They, they arrested him and it was for the same charge, breach of bail conditions. And uh, we actually had Pastor Art phone from the jail today in our church. And it was quite enlightening. He said he's doing well. Uh, he realizes that this is a hit job. Most of the stuff he's being charged with should be looked at in court. And at the very least, he should be released so he can prepare a proper hearing. And people like Art Pulowski and, and Tara, Tamara Lynch, like, why are they being held in jail when criminals are let out on bail all the time? Pedophiles and murderous and manslaughter charges, and they're all released. And these guys are charged with mischief and they're held in jail and people aren't even talking about that. I'm just, I'm, I'm appalled by that. A pastor, a pastor is being held in a prison. And I've been told he's in, in solitary confinement here in Canada. Like this is unacceptable. And then everybody's bringing up the Ukraine and Russia thing. Well, I support them 110%, but what can I do? I can't fly to Ukraine. I can't go there. I'm not gonna go pick up guns and fight their fight. It's been going on for a long time. Yes, it's wrong, but the best thing that I can do right here in this Alberta here, where I stand, is to stand for freedom. And that's across the globe, no matter if, how can I better represent Ukraine, in my opinion, than to come to an event that supports freedom? so that we don't end up in a tyrant, you know, regime run country. And I'm sure those guys would want us to stand up and support freedom. I don't think they're mad that we're out here, like some people say, whining about our freedoms because we live in a free country. <laughs> So a recent development, this happened last week as well as this week, where a group of counter-protesters uh, have been on scene. And it seems uh, last time they were just standing as the protesters walked by. This time there is the police line. Uh, one side there's the Freedom Rally protesters and the other side there's the counter-protesters. Uh, I've tried to ask a few of them for comment, uh, but like last week they refused to get it. So an interesting development occurred while these guys started their march and that was on their way through the city. A counter protest group uh, had blocked off the road, one of the roads that these guys would frequently travel down and it's their regular route. So it does seem like the counter protesters forced the protesters hands in that they had to relocate their route through the city. I don't know what this will mean for next week, but it seems like these counter protests, uh, it happened last week, it happened this week. I guess we'll find out if there's gonna be another one next week. We'll be sure to keep you up to date as things progress through the weeks. And of course, you heard these guys message their concerns about Pastor Arthur Pulowski, as well as their concerns uh, with the fact that though some mandates have lifted, uh, this is sure to come back around in their opinion. So uh, we're gonna keep tabs and see how this progresses. I wanna thank you guys for tuning in. For Rebel News, I'm Sidney Fissard.